Joining us now is SENZ football commentator Jordan Canellis. Jordan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dean. How's things? Mate, we're still on a high after that win on Thursday, pal, because it, the difference between New Zealand and Australia, we didn't think we had a snowball's hell chance in hell of winning, and yet somehow we did. That was that game was one of the best games we've ever had in New Zealand football. Absolutely, yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, I think a lot of people went in with maybe tempered expectations about what New Zealand would do at this Women's World Cup. Um, and, you know, in a group alongside some, some pretty big teams like Norway, who have won a World Cup before, mm. and Switzerland, who are hovering around a sort of, you know, a pretty decent team, I think uh, a lot of people thought it might have been a tricky challenge for New Zealand, but getting over the top of Norway... Uh, in your first group game, completely changes the, the 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 makeup of this group. Now, now it's New Zealand only need another point or two to get through to the round of sixteen. So yeah. now that you've got that win under your belt, you can aim high. Yeah, look, honestly, uh, Jordan, you know myself and many other football heads in New Zealand. If you'd asked us three weeks ago if we had a chance, we would say no. We will we'll barely get one goal, let alone one point. And then we had a decent win against Vietnam in the warm-up and we could tell something had changed in that training camp. They were now starting to play with combinations, scoring goals, looking good. So there was a little bit of optimism, but still, the best we hoped for against Norway was a close loss. And like you say, now that the script has been torn up, turned upside down, we've got a real chance of going through to the next round now. You do, absolutely, yeah. And and you can target your, your, one of your next games against the Philippines as maybe another win as well. Um, you know, they've uh, they've got a sort of a, a, a team that's been cobbled together. I don't know what the chemistry is like with the Filipino team. Mm. Um, so that could be, uh, I think you'd, you'd look at that game and think, you know what, we could get three. After the way that you guys played against Norway, mm. you target that game as another, another game to win, and then if you do that, well, then you're into the knockouts, no problem. Yeah, absolutely, and that's we, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah, there is a there is a little bit of confidence there. But you know, I don't know what it's like in Aussie. You can fill us in on this, Jordan. But over here in New Zealand, we tend to wait till an event kicks off before we really get into it, and that exploded on Thursday night. So now we're all right into it. But I know in in Aussie, because your Matildas are a quality side, there's already been kind of a, a, a big build up to this as well, hasn't there, for you guys? Yeah, this one's had a bit more of a, of a lead in. And we, we tend to do the same thing as well in Australia. Sometimes with with maybe the uh, a few of the lower rating sports, like, mm. a, like a hockey or a basketball or mm. uh, even a, a rugby league World Cup, it tends to, we don't sort of think about it until the event starts. Yeah. But with the, with the Women's World Cup, it has had a build up because, because of the, the Matildas here. You know, the Matildas over the last couple of years have probably been a bit more popular than the Socceroos. Mm, um, wow. So we've... Yeah, the Socceroos, they certainly uh, had their moment at, uh, at the Qatar World Cup, so that might have turned a little bit. But, but the Matildas have been a really popular national team here in Australia. So the build-up to the Women's World Cup, having a, a FIFA World Cup uh, in Australia and New Zealand, but having games in Australia has been a massive, um, a, a massive uh, uh, sort of a grabbing point for the Australian public. And that has been, uh, that's been really good for the build-up and for the hype and anticipation for this World Cup. So, yeah, certainly I think in the in the weeks leading up, there were yeah. uh, a lot of people looking forward to the tournament. I mean, the difference, I suppose, between Aussie and New Zealand is that you guys have much bigger stadiums than we do. Like, we have Eden Park, which, you know, 42,000 is kind of a full house, and we managed to fill it up, which is great, and we did it again yesterday for the American game. You guys have much bigger stadiums, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80,000, um, but obviously population's bigger, but you guys are filling those up as well. What is it like for the Australian public now that the Matildas have started playing, are they really getting behind them? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think a lot of people have after the first game. So obviously, getting the win against Ireland was um, was was great. Getting off on the right foot, mm. um, getting the win with this with your first group game. But I think a lot of people also saw that game and thought, well, without Sam Kerr, the Matildas, and not maybe not because of Sam Kerr, um, but the Matildas didn't play the way that we maybe hoped for that first game. They mm. won, but it was a tough challenge, and, and Ireland made it tough for Australia. Um, but I think people are, I think, what I think that has actually done is, has made people realise that, okay, well, we know the big nations are going to be good, but the smaller nations, the lower ranked teams yeah. at this World Cup, they're going to be pretty good too. I mean, Ireland performed really well. Vietnam, even though they lost yesterday to the USA, they weren't totally disgraced. No. And Haiti, who, they were, they were pretty good against England. They, they'd be, they, they should have probably drawn that match actually yesterday against England. So, uh, Haiti, the, the Central American team. So, I think um, yes, the Matildas definitely, you know, having played a game now and, and bringing the, the the public into into the FIFA Women's World Cup sphere, there's going to be a lot more, um, you know, eyeballs on each game. But I think what the other teams are putting up as well, hopefully that gives uh, even more reason to watch the other games outside of the Matildas at this World Cup. Yeah, that's a really good point too. Because yeah, over here in New Zealand, obviously we'll watch the Kiwi games, but yeah, what's the motivation to watch the others? And I did watch the Australia versus uh, Republic of Ireland game. And yeah, it, it, honestly, it was a tough, it was a grind, man. And like you say, without Sam Kerr, it was a bit of a struggle. But what What is wrong? Is there an, well, there must be an injury, but what is, do you know the injury, Jordan? How long, a recovery, et cetera? Yeah, so it was a calf injury, and it was it was very late in the piece. We hadn't had any idea that she had a calf injury at all, and I think it was in maybe the final training session oh. uh, leading up to the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, so they're saying that um, it was a calf strain, I think. So the timeline they've put on it was the first two group games, so Ireland and then Nigeria uh, this upcoming Thursday. Mm. Um you know, we've had people here saying, well, calf injuries are, are a bit longer than just a week or a week and a half. It's mm. normally a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, they're saying two games, but a lot of pundits are questioning it could be even longer. Uh, I think if Australia win their next group game against Nigeria, that would see Australia into the knockout phase. And yeah. that third group game doesn't become as pivotal. So I, I reckon if we win against Nigeria... Sam Kerr might be rested again for Canada and then they'll bring her in for the knockout phase. Yeah, that that would make sense too to do that. And yeah, you're right about the other teams. I saw uh, Vietnam, America. Yeah, Vietnam, yeah, they were, you know, outplayed, etc. But they did not give up. They gave 150%. And, you know, they were not disgraced at all. For a little team like that, you know, one of the lowest ranked here against one of the biggest teams in the world, they did really well. And you can tell from these games too, pretty much I think every Vietnamese person in Auckland turned up to that game. Yeah, yeah. It was actually a really good crowd. I did mm. see uh, the, the crowd pictures there of the Vietnamese fans. That was really great. Um, yeah, Vietnam, I mean, in their, in their last warm-up game before the World Cup, they were beaten 9-0 by Spain. Ooh. So I think coming into this, yeah, coming into this, uh, into this match against the world's best team, the United States, I think there was, you know, definitely a thought that there could be a a bit of a belting on the cards, and it could have been a pretty high score, a cricket score maybe. Um, but Vietnam did really well. So three goals, yes, it's a, it's still a loss, and it's still a comprehensive win by the United States. And they had a lot of chances, the USA, they that, they, that they could have had, and, and it could have been a bigger score. But credit to Vietnam. They, they defended really well. Their goalkeeper played pretty well. And um, and hopefully they can sort of look ahead to their next couple of games and and, and see if they can get a draw or a, or a win maybe against, uh, I think, Portugal's the other lower-ranked team in their group. So... 
um, yeah, definitely uh, they were they were they were pretty good for for what it's worth against the world's best team, and um, and even Haiti yesterday were um, were were magnificent. They, I mean, England's the current European champions, mm. they're top three in the world. England, so Haiti were really good. They almost scored a couple of times against England. So there's a couple of a uh, couple of smaller teams doing some big things, and, and Nigeria the other day as well. Another one they drew with. The Olympic gold medalist Canada within a nil-all draw. So I've seen yeah. Nigeria play against us, and they're they're handy. <clears throat> they're handy. They can you know they they'll push teams in that division. And I saw that England Haiti game last night as well, uh, because obviously in New Zealand we have a lot of England football fans. Same in Aussie, I bet. Was it a matter of England not playing well or Haiti rising to the occasion? No, I think it was Haiti rising to the occasion. Um, they from the start. I mean. Sometimes with with uh, with a lower team or a, or a, or a team on debut, so Haiti that was their first ever Women's World Cup game. Wow. Um, they they tend to sit back a little bit and, and be conservative and just try and protect uh, their defensive area. Um, but that was not the case with Haiti yesterday. They came out on the front foot. They were attacking early. Uh, they were trying to counter attack. Uh, England, as expected, had a lot of the ball. That's that's to be expected. But but whenever the ball fell to Haiti, they had. They had a really uh, a really strong center uh, center midfield um, duo mm. who would win the ball back. Um, they were they were tough. They were gritty. They were combative against England. So they were actually putting the challenges in, winning the ball back, and then they had the speed Haiti to counter attack. So they were they were on the front foot and getting right up in the face of England and and taking the game to them. So yeah, England England played pretty well. They they had a lot of chances that um, that they could have scored from, similar to the United States, but. But Haiti actually, they weren't uh, they weren't reserved. They were definitely coming forward and, and had a couple of chances and tested the goalkeeper a few times as well, the English goalkeeper in the second half. So they had to really, uh, uh, you know, be wary England about what uh, what Haiti were providing in attack. Yeah, and it's interesting watching the you know because it's so close to home for both of us. It's, it's interesting watching these games. And you know, one of the things I love about women's football is that, it, and the big difference from women's from men's football is that it's not that they don't have the cynical side to it. They don't throw themselves to the ground if a butterfly you know goes past their nose. You know, they 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 stay on their feet. They try and play the ball. There's lots of passing. They look. It's always looking to attack and go forward. You know, it, it's vastly different to the men's game. That, that's true, yeah. I, yeah. Now that I think about it, there hasn't been as much um, sort of side to side passing in defence. Uh, you know, sitting on the ball. A lot mm. of it has been forward movement, getting yeah. getting the ball moving down the wings. Um, you know, getting as many balls into the eighteen yard box as they can. Um, yeah, it hasn't been uh, many delays in play or, no. or stoppages for injuries. Um, uh, they they go in tough as well. I mean, there's been some, oh, yeah. some really clattering challenges uh, in the first couple of days of football. So, yeah, they mean business. Yeah, they surely do. They surely do. Hey, there's a lot of teams we haven't seen yet, like you know uh, Germany, etc. What are what are some what are you looking forward to in the teams that are coming up, and who else should we be looking for uh, to maybe go deep into this tournament? Uh, yeah, just having a look at the schedule ahead. So we've got in the next two days, we've got. Um, some of the, the absolute best nations in the world. So we've sort of had the way that the, the, the draw works or mm. fixture is um, we've had groups A, B, C and D play. Yes. Um, and then we've got the next, today and the next couple of days, we've got E, F, G and H. Oh, and okay. I think, so groups E, F, G and H, which is sort of on the on the bottom half of the, of the bracket, mm. I think that's probably the most stacked side of the, uh, of the draw. There's probably the most uh, top ranked nations uh, on that side. So oh. we're going to see the likes of France, 
the Netherlands and Sweden all playing today, and they're all teams who, um, you know, could fancy themselves to make the final. I mean, okay. the Netherlands made the final of the last World Cup. France are top five in the world, and Sweden have uh, have repeatedly made finals and semi-finals of big tournaments. So okay. they, they all play today, and Germany play tomorrow as well. Um, and that's uh, that's a team who I've picked to win the World Cup. So oh really? Some of the, yeah, I've, I've tipped the Germans to win. They were they were runners up in the Euros last year, the European Championships. Um, and I know a lot of our a lot of our experts on our um, on our uh, our coverage have tipped Germany to make the final too. So. Um, you've got some big teams today, and then you've got the Germans tomorrow against Morocco. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned I know, I've been listening to SEN uh, over here, and I know Ricardo, made a mine, he's on The Breakfast Show. He's a football nut as well. I think he's tipping Germany as well. Um, and you know the cliche with football World Cups, you know, that goes to the final and Germany went on penalties. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's going to be real interesting. I'm going to keep an eye out on them. But, yeah, you mentioned uh, France as well. That game is on uh, today, France versus Jamaica. Are you picking France in that one, Jordan? I am going to pick France. Yeah, that's, that's the game I'm on today. So I'll be on that game at 8pm uh, Australian time uh, against Jamaica, who uh, I, I'm expecting, you know, I'm expecting a bit of a challenge again from Jamaica, like we were speaking about with, with some of the, the underdog teams. I think Jamaica actually, they're a pretty decent side. Um, so I, I expect them to take it up to France. I expect France to win, but France do also have some injuries. They've got a few players who uh, they couldn't pick for the squad because of because of injuries, and that includes a few um, a few of their key strikers, some experienced midfielders. So they haven't quite got the full strength team that they wanted for this tournament, the French. So that might allow Jamaica a chance. And Jamaica, um, their star player is um, is a woman called Khadija Shaw, who is a striker for Manchester City and rated as one of the best strikers in the world. So they've got some. They got some talent in that team, Jamaica. So I think this will be a good a good match tonight. Yeah, the, you, you're right. And you mentioned injuries there. I read a great article yesterday about how uh, the 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 dark secret of women's football is the number of kind of knee injuries that the women's players get. And it, and when you when they listed all the names, it's like wow, there's like a ton of them. Yeah, that's that's um that's a reality of women's sport that we're still trying to uh, wrap our head around and, and try and figure out how to prevent because a lot of women's sports we've seen. Uh, both with football, with um, with uh, I guess rugby league uh, as well, obviously mm. rules over here in Australia is that they there are a higher number or higher percentage of knee injuries and ACL injuries, and um, and there's quite a few uh, star players from from a lot of the big nations who have suffered ACL injuries heading into this World Cup, which is really unfortunate. You want to see that the big yeah. names at the big tournaments. So um, yeah, France have definitely uh, they've got their fair share of those as well with their team. Um, the Netherlands, their star player, Vivian Miedemar, she was she's out with an ACL injury. Mm. Uh, the English captain, Leah Williamson, was out with an ACL injury as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a high number of, um, of knee injuries uh, in women's football. Hey, also in the, in the first few games we've seen, and producer Robbie has just had a look too, there has been a penalty in, in every single game bar one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there has been, and... And you know what? There has been uh, there's been a lot of penalties, and not many of them have been scored. <laughs> yes, right. There's been a lot of pe- a lot of penalty saves too. So the goalkeepers are uh, they're up to uh, up to task in the uh, in the first couple of days of football. But yeah, a lot of penalties, and um, a lot of that is uh, is down to the VAR. You know, checking everything and mm. and, uh, and and keeping a close eye on every challenge and every you know little handball or little step on the foot in the box. So um, yeah, a lot of penalties, but uh, but hasn't quite necessarily meant that. 
uh, a penalty equals a goal because no. the keepers have done really well so far. Yeah, and it's interesting too. You mentioned the VR, and I, I do think I think the refs have done um, really well in this tournament as well. And you know, you mentioned penalty and penalty saves or misses. We had one in our game against Norway with you know three minutes to go and thinking this will put it to bed. All it did when it when it you know, hit the bar was it just increased the tension for the last ten minutes. <laughs> Exactly, and it's a long wait, isn't it? Oh, they had a lot of extra time at the end of the game. Horrible. So waiting with bated breath. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. But look, this tournament in itself is is on track, and I think you know you know what it's like. With, I, you know, the thing with FIFA, what what, what is it like in uh, Aussie, Jordan? Because you know there was a concern about uh, ticket sales, and in, in New Zealand, uh, predominantly, a lot of our public, myself included, will buy you know on the day. Like maybe it's like thirty or forty percent of people will purchase at the gate on the day. But FIFA don't do that. What has been the response to that in Aussie, and, and is it the same? Um, I haven't quite heard that concern here in Australia because I think a lot of, I think a lot of our games here were, especially in the in the bigger cities, so Melbourne and, right. and Sydney and even Brisbane. Uh, I think a lot of the pre-sale tickets in the lead up to the games have have been uh, have been selling like hotcakes. So a lot of the games have been sort of sold out or going close to selling out. Good. Um, and seeing the crowd numbers in the first few days, yeah, a lot of the crowds have been sort of near capacity. Um, which has been really good. So, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't quite heard of the concern about not being able to buy tickets on, on the day of the game, but I could imagine that that, that is a, a point of frustration because, um, yeah, walk up to the ticket gates and buy on the day, yeah. Yeah, it is more a Kiwi thing, I'd say. And I think primarily that is, because, I mean, we, you know, obviously a lot of people still buy online. You look at all the tickets that have been sold so far, but you know what it's like in New Zealand. It is, you know, eight seasons in one day. So a lot of us will wait, <laughs> you know, until the last minute and go, okay, I'll do it. You know, um, but yeah, no, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic tournament. I'm glad to see it's really picking up um, in Aussie too with the Matildas because it's funny in New Zealand. You're like, I know when I watch football and the Aussies, the men are in a tournament. I'll watch both sides. I'll do the same with the Matildas um, to see how they go too because it's going to be, you know, if we can get the Kiwis deep into this tournament, the Matildas, it's going to be massive. Absolutely, yeah, and I think. I think the sentiment is being shared from here over to you guys too. I think now that we've seen New Zealand get that first result, uh, now we're thinking, all right, anything is is, is possible, and let's try and get these uh, these co-hosting nations together into the round of 16, which is going to be fantastic if we can pull it off. So I reckon there's a good chance we will, and uh, I think yeah, I think there's plenty of love being shared across the ditch from from Australian fans to you guys. Yeah, yeah, vice versa. And Jordan, before I let you go, mate, we have a lot of uh, avid um, investors on the station um, via the TAB. Um, is there any bolters or outsiders you think might? Is there anything with the the fans can be looking for which might be off the radar which we can get on? Ooh, to win the tournament? Oh, or just maybe even to get out of the group or you know, semi something. Um, I think well now that now that Denmark won their game last night against China, I, I look at that game in in Group D as a pretty pivotal match to try and decide the group. Mm-hmm. So um, now that now that Denmark have won that one, it probably gives them a leg up on China, who are, who are also very highly rated uh, China to get uh, to get through. But Denmark making it through now, you sort of look at them as as a good chance to make the round of sixteen. Okay. Um, uh, elsewhere, I'd, I'd pick out maybe. Ooh, looking at the Netherlands, perhaps to to make another deep run. Yes, uh, I know they made the final last time, but they haven't really been rated as highly this time around to to, to make a to, you know to go to the quarterfinals or the semifinals. That that's there's probably some value there for, okay. for the Netherlands. Um, and then uh, Group F is an interesting one too. Mm. So 
Uh, Sweden's the outright favourite, but there's a uh, the other three teams. Sorry, Group G. I beg your pardon. Group mm. G. Uh, Sweden are the favourites there, but um, the other three teams. It's a bit of a uh, sort of put a blanket over them to see who okay. who else makes it out. I'm looking at Italy um, to make it out of the group and make the round of 16. If you're looking for them to progress, but okay. also quiet one could be South Africa. If Italy drop a few games, yes. uh, South Africa could be the one to sneak in. So there might be some real outside value there for uh, for the South Africans to make it to the knockouts. Well, I tell you now for free, there's tons of South Africans in New Zealand. I bet that's the same in Aussie too. Yes, yeah, there is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So there are, uh, in fact, uh, one of our, well, our, our main um, uh, analysts, Alicia Canavis, in our Australian uh, contingent of the commentary team, she's, uh, she's South African. So mm-hmm. she's, She's got a, a soft spot for them. Oh. For them. <laughs> They'll get a, they, will <laughs> get a, they will get a very good turnout, man, that is for sure. Hey, Jordan, thank you so much for your time today, mate. Enjoy the rest of your World Cup, and I'm sure we'll speak again before before she wraps up. No problem at all, Dean. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. There you go, Jordan uh, Canelis, SEN football commentator, based in Australia, doing all the um, Aussie games over there for the Matildas. Great to get his insight uh, and feel. And also a couple of uh, you know, a couple of dark horses here, if you favour a bit of a bet to get out of their group, Denmark, Netherlands and Italy, or a real outside of South Africa. So there you go, folks. Don't say we don't give you the uh, the tips.